and welcome to the Happy Yoga Podcast with me, your host, Joe Hutton. And in this podcast, we talk about all things yoga and all things to make your mind a happier place to live in. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast where we're going to be talking about the first limb of yoga as set out in the yoga sutras if you have no idea what i'm talking about maybe you've missed an episode maybe you need to go back and listen to the previous episode so that you're all up to speed and you know what we're talking about in this episode so we're going to be talking about the first of the limbs of yoga which is our restraints because if you remember from the last episode the limbs start from the external and they move inwards and we're only going to be talking about the first of the restraints today because Otherwise, this is going to be a really long podcast, so I'm going to break down all of them and do an episode per one. So the first of the restraints is non-harm. Live in your life in a way where you try not to bring harm to other sentient living beings. So when this is translated, when this is interpreted, it's not just humans it's not just ourselves, it's all sentient beings in the world. So trying to live a life where you you are not bringing deliberate harm to other living beings. And this makes total sense when you think about what enlightenment is in the context of the time when it's been talked about. So one of the interpretations of enlightenment is when the illusion, the boundaries between the self and other things in the universe are dissolved. So this idea that we are separate from other living things, that there, that there is us and them, is an illusion. And actually, we're all part of the same system, where we are all part of the same thing. We are one. So you might have heard yogis or people saying we are one sometimes people say it at the end of a yoga class some people say it's what namaste means and that idea that we are one is literal from the yogi sense of that it's not a metaphor it's literal and when you reach enlightenment that illusion of separation dissolves and when you understand and embody the fact that we are all one thing that is what enlightenment is so if we take this idea that we are all one then when we are putting harm into the world it's impossible to harm another creature without also harming yourself because we are all one thing so when we're putting pain and suffering into the world we are bringing pain and suffering onto ourselves so if we are putting pain and suffering into the world then we are having to live in a world where there is pain and suffering so this idea of ahimsa this idea of non-harm is trying to create an inner peace by by looking at how we are in an external way so this may appear at the start to be like well yeah that's really obvious of course we don't want to harm other things we don't want to bring pain and suffering into other people like that's just a given i'm sure that most people would think well i don't bring pain on suffering i don't deliberately go around punching grannies i don't go and like step on spiders on purpose like I don't go and 
like slap children. Most people tend to think that they are living a life where they aren't harming. And I think that most people don't deliberately go out and hurt other people. However, when we are unmindful about our actions, I'm sure most people have said something in anger. I'm sure most people have made a choice that has impacted other people negatively. And now I just want to be really clear here that there's no such thing as perfection when it comes to these ideas. Like there's no way that you can completely live your life without ever negatively impacting another living creature. Like one stepped on a snail, <laughs> everybody's accidentally squished a bug or said something hurtful or, you know, even bigger things. Like I think everybody has negatively impacted another living thing. However, it's not about the attaining perfection. It's about the intention behind it. So if you're intending to live your life without harm, that's going somewhere to actually doing it. I don't know if that's making sense, but it's not about being perfect. It's about moving towards the intention. And it is completely up to you how you translate it. So for some people, that means never eating meat. For some people, it means being more ethical with where they're getting their food from. Some people are like, I just don't have that capacity. So I'm going to do other things. Like there is no, there is no right or wrong because with yoga, it's all about how is it making your mind and is it moving you more to a place of peace or is it moving you more to a place of like fear and stress and it's not just about non-harm it's also about compassion so it's about being able to see the humanity and sentience and like life spark in other creatures so understanding that all living things have a desire to be safe. Most living things experience pain, experience joy. Every person that you meet will have hopes and dreams and sadness and seeing that other people as alive things and other creatures as, as alive things, just the same as we we are, really helps take away that disconnection, that that feeling of separation away when we know that even though we are all individual we are not so different as well and it's not just about understanding that on a intellectual level it's not just because obviously if I say that and and you're hearing that and I say that to myself I'm like yeah well that's obvious it's obvious that you know a mouse doesn't want to be hurt it's obvious that uh, that the person across the road is a human being with human thoughts and emotions but it's so so easy to forget it's so easy to go inwards and and become separate from other people and other things and to start seeing like us and them or me versus other people and so you need to cultivate it these ideas aren't just a thing that you just think and then you're like, all right, okay, now I know. We have to relearn them again and again and again. And there's a really lovely meditation that you can do called the Love and Kindness Meditation that is there to um, to remind you of that every day. You have to practice that feeling of connection. It, it isn't natural 
to us. I think it is natural to us. It's very natural to us, but it's also natural for us to fall out of it. So though it is a natural state, it's also natural for us to not feel that state. So I personally don't believe that non-harm or himsa is a static state. I don't think you will ever get to a point where you're like, there you go, you are in ahimsa now, you are non-harmful, you you have reached it, woohoo, you are and you have won non-harm because as you continue to live, different aspects will will happen. So as you continue to live, the context that you live in and different things will change. So your priorities will change and different things will come to the forefront. So what I mean by that is some things that may seem non-harmful at one point is going to change and might become harmful. Like there's never going to be a static point where you're like, this behaviour is non-harmful and this behaviour is harmful. Most of the time, there's more complexity and more nuance in that. So there might be a behaviour that in one context is harmful and in another context is kind. So an example of this is I have a friend who's in a high security hospital and they do not have the capacity to understand what veganism is. So I personally, I don't think you have to be a vegan in order to do a himza. I think it, it does depend on personal con- context, but I personally try to eat a vegan diet as much as possible. I would say 99.99999% of the time I am a vegan. I identify as vegan. I identify as a vegan. What a wanky thing to say, but you know what I mean? I would say that I'm vegan and my veganism is actually is quite important to me when it comes to like how I choose to live my life. But I have a friend who is in a high security hospital and they do not have the capacity to understand what veganism is. And when I visit them, a big part of the visit and what is important to them is they host. So they love to host and kind of the fact that they're able to go to the shops and they spend their money and they come home and it's, you know, it, it, they come home and they prepare something and, and haven't been able to provide that. Me and, and their guests is, is a massive thing, but they don't have the intellectual capacity to be able to understand veganism. So quite often they, they try really hard, but sometimes they they might offer me something that isn't vegan. So they might offer me something that has some milk in it. And I have a choice in that moment. Do I stick to the behavior of non-harm in the respect of I've made a decision that I think this is the least harmful for the animals? Or in that moment, is it less harmful to eat the thing and not and not upset my dear dearly loved friend and I made the decision in that moment that the thing to do was to eat the food that was provided to me by that person. Now I'm not saying that that's right, I, what I'm saying is that when you have the intention of non-harm it isn't a static thing, it's not something that you just win, it's something that you have to reaffirm and you have to recommit to and you have to keep asking these these questions like I know that there's been points in my life when I've thought one thing was the best thing to do and now I'm like "Mm, I actually think that now I've got different information or now that I've got a different level of energy and I've got a different like ability this is the best thing to do but having that intention of I'm gonna try 
and live in the least harmful way possible that's what it's about rather than what the end result is because you might have some people who through privilege or circumstance might just you know never never have to make difficult decisions about harm but that doesn't make that person morally superior because they've never had to make the decision if that makes sense so it's it's a commitment every day to deciding to have non-harm rather than what that actually looks like and that's what I really like about yoga because it doesn't these guidances these rules aren't saying you must do this so it doesn't say ahimsa isn't like you must not eat meat you must only shop in these stores you must get up every day and do this like that's not what it says instead of giving you the structure of what to do it's giving you the question to ask it's giving you the framework to ask the questions within your own life rather than saying those are the rules and it's interesting because when you're practicing yoga I think the actual physical practice of yoga is a really good place to start noticing where you're maybe not doing ahimsa for yourself. So the yoga mat is like a little microcosm of the way that you are when you're not on your mat. And so all of those ways that you're nasty to yourself, you're mean about yourself, all of the ways that you push yourself and you and 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 all of those bad habits of being mean and nasty to yourself come out in the in on the yoga mat so the yoga mat is a really safe place to start to notice where maybe you're not being very kind to yourself as well so it's almost easier to be kind to other people and not hurt other people but when it comes to yourself, you might notice that you push yourself really hard in a class or you are mean about yourself if you can't do a certain pose. And so or you might have really nasty, nasty self-talk. And in on the yoga mat, that's a really lovely place to just start to notice when you're starting to be mean to yourself. So, so maybe the next time you're on your yoga mat, start to notice when you're being mean to yourself as well. And you don't necessarily need to even try and stop yourself from being mean because when you do that, you might end up in this situation where you're starting to be mean to yourself about being mean to yourself. So you might have a thought of, oh, why aren't you good enough? And then you notice it and then your brain goes, oh, why can't you ever be nice to yourself? You're so rubbish. And you end up in this like spiral about not being nice to yourself. Instead of trying to get into that back and forth dialogue with yourself, See if you can get a sense of humour about it. So when you notice that you're being mean to yourself, notice it and go, ah, there I am being mean to myself. And then just give yourself that little distance, notice it, and then see if you can move your attention maybe to something else, maybe to your breath, maybe to the sensations in your body, and just let that thought kind of drop away without feeding it and without trying to push it away. And over time, what you'll notice is that as you disrupt the thoughts, those thoughts will come less and less. They don't stop. There's never going to be a point where you're completely nice to yourself all the time in your head, but you will you will be able to lessen them and they will have, more importantly, they will have less power over you. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about truthfulness. Bye. 
The Happy Yoga Podcast was brought to you by me, Joe Hutton. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and you're always welcome to join the community. So follow the link in the show notes if you want to be part of the community. Bye.